0: Welcome in to another episode of NASCAR Coast to Coast, presented by Flow Racing here on the Motor Racing Network. My name is Chris Wilner, coming to you from the Concord Studios, just north of Charlotte, North Carolina. And as always, my trusty cohort, Kyle Ricky <laughs> from Killingly, Connecticut, is on the line. Kyle, how are things this week for you? A little more racing action to cover? Or are you still tired from that red eye from Phoenix? It's
1: not bad. It wasn't that bad. Um, Monday was a recovery day, as it usually is for us to take the red eyes back from the west coast and now we've done it I think most of us have done it at least two weeks in a row uh, with Vegas on top of Phoenix but it was a good weekend um, great weather I don't think I saw a cloud in the sky for, for four days out there all three races were were really really good um, as they usually are there and now we're back in Connecticut where the snow is melting and uh, the short tracks around here are getting ready to open up their gates here in about three or four weeks time
0: I bet you're sick and tired of talking about snow because, you know, it's a nice 70 degrees here in North Carolina
1: today. And I hate Thank to you, rub Chris. it in
0: each and every week, but I will.
1: Thank you, Chris. It's okay. And you know what? I lived down there for 10 years. Yeah, that's true. And, and I think in my 10 years down there in, in Concord, we probably got three inches of snow total in, in 10 years. That's so I'm true. okay with that. I'm okay. But every time there was a mention of snow, the entire city would shut down. I mean all they had to do was say that there was snow potentially. Correct. Correct. It, it, everything froze in place for like three days. Yeah.
0: So, uh can't quite deal with the winter weather down here as y'all can do true. up north. But that's all right. You know what? We're 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 mid March now. We're getting to the tail end of it, which means I'm almost thirty years old. Oh Lord. And uh it me means too. It's get nice out. Oh, sure. You keep thinking that, Kyle. But hey, when you were out in Phoenix, you uh, got to actually see in person here, as we did in Daytona, the Ark Menard Series, taking part uh, at the General Tire 150 at Phoenix Raceway. We're part of the coverage again on the Motor Racing Network. Always a pleasure to cover the Ark Menard Series in person. And uh, boy, we had a whale of a race from start to finish. It started with carnage and it ended with a pretty uh, emotional win, I'd say.
1: So it was race two of the Ark Menard Series. It was race one of the Ark Menard's West Series. It was race one of the Sioux Chief Showdown. (laughs) So there was a lot happening out there. And 39 cars took the green flag, largest field since Daytona 2017. So the largest field in over five years, Uh, a great, great uh, show, great thing to see. Um, The Ark series, obviously very healthy right now. Uh, And and it even shows that even more when you look at the top five in the final results. So you have five different teams in the top five. Taylor Gray driving for DGR. We'll talk to him here in a little bit. Daniel Dye for GMS Racing, who led a majority of that race and looked like he was going to take the checkered flag there at one point. Sammy Smith for Cobbush Motorsports, Rajah Karuth for F racing, and Jake Drew for Sunrise Racing out there on the West Coast. So um, the parity is there, the car count is there, um, and the competition was there as well. Unfortunately, there were some torn up race cars, as you mentioned. Uh, it took a while to get that race started. A lot of contact early on. But, uh, you know, for a lot of those teams, first race of the year, a lot of those drivers still uh, – you know, fairly green coming out of the off-season.
0: Yeah, it certainly is. And then you battle a track at Phoenix, and as we know, and as you've, you know, witnessed uh, during your broadcast coverage, you can fan out 160 feet of track there if you include the dog leg uh, after start-finish. So there's a lot of room to maneuver, and I think it took some of these drivers to by surprise a little bit just how many cars you could fit, and all of a sudden have to back out because it's like staring down the barrel of a funnel when you get to turn one.
1: And there were three restarts at the beginning of the race where they all didn't make it out of that <laughs> funnel. Um, I, pre-race, I talked to some of the drivers, Taylor gray, one of them, Daniel die, uh, guys that have been there before they were comfortable. And then I talked to Amber Balkin and I know, you know, Amber, well, um, she had never raced at Phoenix raceway before. And I saw her after practice and she's like, wow, this place is really flat Yeah, and no grip. I'm like, yeah, you're, you know, you can have your hands full, especially on the restarts. And unfortunately, Uh, She was one of those cars involved in an an early race incident in turn number one on one of those restarts. So um, you had, you know, various degrees of of expertise at that racetrack. And, uh, you know, it, it was fun to watch. It was fun to watch.
0: Oh, the battle and the battle up front for most of the race was absolutely fun to watch, watching what Sammy yeah. Smith did and, and how Taylor Gray was able to kind of size up the competition there. It came down to a few late race restarts, which we'll get into. But how about that, you know, majority of the, at least the first half of the race, the battle between Sammy and Taylor, uh, obviously Sammy Smith winning the East championship last year has a lot of experience you know, the pedigree speaks for itself, but, you know, Taylor was just right in his tire tracks, that whole kind of opening stint. Once we got going green and, it's kind of cool to watch him slide around a little bit and try to find out where the grip is around that racetrack. And uh, certainly, I mean, you know, we talked about it. We talked about it previewing the Arkmanard Series this year. Those two drivers that names we're going to talk a lot about this season. They certainly put it to the test early.
1: It was fun watching Taylor come up through the field, had to start a little deeper in the pack. Um, and Sammy Smith won the pole for that event uh, because practice speeds also were, were part of, of qualifying for the event. Uh, Sammy led 79 laps early, but watching Taylor come up through the field, very comfortable in the outside lane. Uh, we talk about on those restarts, everybody just fighting for the bottom, two and three wide, trying to get to the inside. And meanwhile, there's Taylor in the 17 car, just passing them two, three at a time in the outside lane. And, and, and on a restart, the benefit of having the confidence and the car and the drive in the outside lane is you carry so much speed down the backstretch. You can pick off another car or two by the time you get to turn number three, and that's exactly what he did to get to the front of the field. So it was fun to watch. It was fun to watch Daniel die, GMS racing, that 43 car at the front of the field. Um, Good race all around, and and I'm excited for what the Arkham Menards series has in in store for us for the entire season and what the Arkham Menards West has as well. Uh, It looks like they're going to have a really good car count and a good schedule for for this season, their next race on March 26, a couple weeks' time at the Irwindale Speedway.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think a lot of us that have followed the Ark Menard series are really excited about the potential uh, that's already been displayed You know, so far this season. And it ended you know, just recently here on Friday night with Taylor Gray picking up his first ever career win on an emotional night for David Gill in racing earlier that week on Tuesday, losing their hauler driver Steven Stotts in a uh, crash with the hauler on their route to Phoenix Raceway, and just a tragic accident. And certainly, everybody's thoughts and prayers continue to be with the DGR family, and it weighed heavy on him. And you know, I think we heard it in the post-race interview. Uh, it was kind of hard. And, and and we'll talk to him, you know, today about just what that moment's like to win a race, but also be mourning the loss of some team uh, of a team member. So, uh, but nevertheless, it was an emotional win, but a, a really impressive win for Taylor. And I think, um, you know. We say it all the time in racing. It's like once you get that first one, I think it's very easy to start getting on a roll and and getting on a second one. And luckily, he only has uh, you know five six days to really think about it because this weekend, you know, we're getting right back after with the E Series.
1: We saw the same thing with Ty Gibbs. Once he got that first one, yeah, look out, get out of the way because because here he came with uh, double digit wins a year ago. And I think we could see the same with with Taylor this year. Um, dabbled in the West Series a year ago, picked up a couple of wins. That built confidence for this year and, and right out of the box here, race number two, and, and really the first race that he was eligible for because he couldn't run Daytona because sure. of his age, um, you know, back in victory lane. So going to build build confidence for the start uh, of the East season or the continuation, I guess, of the East season this week at Five Flags Speedway in Pensacola, Florida. A lot of momentum on his side right now.
0: Certainly. And he got it done by passing Daniel Dye there at the late late race restart, who admitted in his post-race interview at Daniel Dye, that is, that uh, he regretted choosing the top on a mile and a half on a restart, and that's where uh, it bit him. And that's the learning curve, right, Kyle? These young racers gotta figure out what's the best for them at the late race, uh, you know, when it comes down to a late race restart. So, certainly I think Daniel Dye, maybe if he chose the bottom, maybe things could have been different.
1: He saw what Taylor could do up there. You yeah. know, and, and you know, there were some restarts, especially early in that race, that I thought the outside's the place to be. And, and if I'm daniel die i'm thinking yeah maybe the outside if you can get that run and you can get that drive off you're in really good shape unfortunately he didn't have the car that that uh, taylor had and uh Taylor's just so strong in that outside lane and, and he was just as strong on the bottom and had the car to beat but it, yeah it would be interesting to see if you know he had a he was able to do it again and ch- choose the inside to see if he can win that race but Uh, unfortunately that's not the case
0: yeah what could have been so die was settled for second sammy smith third how about Raja karuth a top five finishing fourth and it's his best finish uh so far in his ark menard series career and a guy that started second on that final restart and we thought maybe we could add a a major upset here because he hadn't led i think all but maybe a lap the whole race
1: yeah um he got shuffled back a little bit on that final restart but was among the contenders all day never threatened to go a lap down was a part of the top four or five all day long racing with, you know, guys like Jake Drew and Sammy Smith that really gaining a lot of experience. I think another driver, when we look at the full East schedule, uh, should probably find victory lane a time or two this year. And, and who knows, maybe contend for the championship, but a good run for Rajah Karuth. Uh, at the Phoenix Raceway.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I'm a little partial to Raji. He runs in our Monday Night Racing, iRacing League, and he usually waxes us pretty good. So I'm not surprised that that translated uh, to the Arkham Menards machine. Uh, rounding out the top five was Jake Drew. You just mentioned uh, Heist finishing West Regulars. So kind of tells you where where, where that parity is at in that uh, in that department. Jesse Love, six. Nick Sanchez, a solid top 10 and seven. Josh Barry made a, a rare start uh, again, uh, opportunity for him to get some laps. I know he said Phoenix was a place... You know, now they run some of the Xfinity series where somewhere he really wanted to get some more seat time at. So finishes with a top 10. Derek Krause, ninth. And Connor Mozak rounds out the top 10. Kyle, Daniel Dye leading the points. Uh, I think this could be back and forth. This could fluctuate a lot this year.
1: Oh, I think it has potential to to fluctuate a lot. Uh, Daniel Dye, obviously, a good run at New Smyrna Speedway. Um, got out to an early lead. Um, we'll see what happens at Five Flags Speedway this weekend. I think right. Taylor Gray right now has momentum. And, you know, uh, I'm not sure I believe in it, but I feel like every driver and, and team member that I've talked to over the last many years of doing this, they all believe in momentum. So we'll see how that momentum carries over to, to Florida this week.
0: As Kyle mentioned, Pensacola, the side of the Arca East on Saturday. That'll be an 8 p.m. start. You can watch it on Flow Racing Live, USA uh, USA Network tape delay uh, as well. The Arc Menards National Series, a little bit of a break here till about Mid-April, April April 23rd, where they'll visit Talladega to continue their season with the General Tire 200. ARCA West will get going Saturday, March 26th, the day before my birthday, just for those of you keeping tabs at home. That'll be the Napa Auto Parts 150 at Irwindale Speedway at 10 p.m. Eastern on Flow Racing as well. All right, well, we talked about Taylor Gray, an emotional victory, but nevertheless, a first-time win is always something you'll never forget. We're going to talk about it coming up here in studio When we come back on NASCAR Coast to Coast, live on the Motor Racing Network, presented by Flow Racing. And a special guest joining us here in studio this time on NASCAR Coast to Coast, presented by Flow Racing, the one, the only, Mr. Taylor Gray, winner of the General Tire 150 at Phoenix Raceway, your first career win. Thanks for joining us. I know you've had a busy morning, but uh, have you come off the high yet of winning that first career race? Yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, yeah, I mean,
2: it, it was kind of tough to even be in a high, right? Just because it was an emotional day. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, I think it's been, you know, it was it was a good uh it was a good day. Um, I mean, emotional-wise, we you know, pretty much all of our emotions were shot, but uh, performance-wise, it was a good day for sure. Um, you know, I couldn't thank any, everybody enough at DGR, Chad Johnson, for bringing a really good race car. Um, just got to keep this momentum on to Pensacola this weekend.
1: At what point during the day, uh, practice qualifying the race, did you realize, I got a car that, that could potentially win this thing?
2: Yeah, I felt like right when we unloaded for practice, to be honest with you, we were really good. Uh, with the whole open qualifying deal, to, deal that ARCA does, yep. it, we got stuck in traffic and qualifying, which hurt us pretty bad. Um, but, I mean, we were still decently fast with being behind a lap car for half a lap. So, <laughs> um, But, you know, I felt like right when we unloaded um, and, you know, the first couple laps of practice, I felt like we had a race car to beat. Um, and obviously in the race, uh, you know, we were really good. Right at the halfway break, we struggled a little bit, um, just trying to get the race car to come to us. But once it did, we were really fast.
0: An emotional day, but even just getting to the racetrack, what was that like? Because it was a car that you weren't prepared to run, That car was in Pensacola. So did it feel any different? And just kudos to the team, I'm sure, for getting that thing put together. Yeah, no, it
2: didn't really feel any different, Uh, you know. Chad's uh, pretty particular on all of his stuff being the same, so um, luckily, you know, we were ahead of, of things, and uh, we had that car to where we could switch it over real fast to our, our Phoenix um, setup, and everything that was on the primary um, that we had lost, unfortunately, so it didn't really feel any different. Um, I mean, obviously, it was a little weird going to the racetrack, you know, showing up, my, my that's not my hauler, you know, that's not the race car that I was supposed to be here, sure. so that was definitely a little, uh, little weird and a little emotional, but... Um, besides all that, no, I think the, I mean, obviously the race car was really good. Um, but no, the race car didn't feel the feeling different.
1: I was working the turns to the motor racing network for our broadcast on Friday night and noticed you were very quick to jump into that outside lane when everybody else was fighting toward the bottom on some of those restarts. How comfortable were you up there in the outside? Because It stuck well.
2: Yeah. I feel like if, you know, I feel like I had better restarts and launches than everybody all day. Um, And I felt like whenever, you know, Sammy had been taking the bottom, so in my eyes, you know, if you get a good launch, you can drag him back through the dog leg and then take all the air off his door one and two, and then you're leading coming out of two, right? Obviously, it's a little harder uh, said than done, but, um, you know, I feel like we executed it doing that pretty well. Um, I feel like I struggled uh, just a little bit. My restarts could have been better whenever I was the control car, but... um, I feel like whenever we were second or third, we had some good restarts. And I feel like the top lane just, if you can launch right, um, it'll, uh, you know, you can, and if you do everything the correct way, uh, you can come out pretty good on it.
0: Early on in that race, it feel like it was kind of hard to get going, right? It seemed like caution after caution after a week. I think at one point they had more cautions than laps. Uh, complete under green but once we finally kind of got going where was the turning point in your race that uh, you knew especially uh, when we set up there at the end for a couple late race you know restarts that you were going to be the car that could probably go to victory lane yeah
2: honestly like with like 35 to go in the race 35 40 to go in the race we had been struggling like we were a pretty good day car and then once it switched overnight we made our adjustments we struggled for for a little bit um and then once it came to like 35 to go it really came to us and i really thought all right you know we got a gar- We have a car to beat here, um, and I think the forty three had gotten like four seconds out. So, obviously, if the caution didn't come out, you know he wins the race. We were, I think, on time wise, we were three tenths, three two to three tenths faster than the forty three. But you're not gonna make up sure. four seconds. You know, only being that much faster. So, obviously, if the caution didn't come out, he he had the race race won. But you know, that's why they call it racing. Things happen. <laughs> yeah.
1: You mentioned the final 35 laps, three restarts in those final 35 laps, and you were right up there at the front of the field. But as the race leader, and and on some of these restarts that are just so fun to watch when you, when you guys fan out four and five wide, was there any ever concern that you guys were going to tangle at the front? I mean, we've seen it so many times in the past in this configuration of Phoenix where not everybody gets through turns one and two on these restarts, especially late in a race, racing for a win. Any concern from your seat?
2: Uh, I mean, no concern. Uh, I mean, I feel like as, if you're concerned, you know, going into it, then you're probably, bad things are probably going to happen. Um, but no, I mean, no concerns, just had to be aggressive. Uh, was my I think my deal was I was more aggressive than everybody on the restarts, just side drafting or rather launching or side drafting or stuff like that um, is what helped me win the race. Um, but, I mean, you know, he took the top, which obviously I think definitely hurt him. Um, but I mean, either way, I think I, I had been making the top work as well at the beginning of the day. So I think either way, um, you know, I do everything right. We come out with the same, uh, same, uh, you know, trajectory of the race.
0: And then you come around, you take the checkered flag. What was it like seeing David Gilland and the rest of your team, you know, after uh, we could hear the emotion on the broadcast, but kind of once things kind of calmed down, what, what was the post race like for you?
2: Yeah, it was just, uh, emotional, man. Um, it was, uh, I mean, it was, it was cool but it was just emotional it was hard for me to enjoy it uh really sure. honestly um i had said in my interview at you know i this was was this race win wasn't for me it was for them so um it was kind of hard to enjoy it um which is kind of weird because my first race win right but just the circumstances were great
1: and uh, we t- we you know it's been well documented documented that is that the car that you used in phoenix was supposed to go to to five flags is that still the plan? Uh, is the car ready to go and, and ready to get back on track this weekend?
2: Yeah, Chad Johnson and all the all the guys back at the back at the shop um, been working really hard. Uh, transferred uh, transferred that car back over to Pensacola. Obviously, we've seen it's a fast car, so uh,
0: hopefully you have the same results going to Pensacola. We were talking before we began the interview about the fact you're not even 17 years old yet. At the end of this month, you finally turned 17. So it's been a quick learning curve for you in your career. I think, what, your first late model race was 2018, if I'm not correct, somewhere around there? Yeah, I I think so. So like maybe four four years ago. So describe what the learning curve has been like for you and to have this success now at not even 17 years old yet.
2: (laughs) Yeah, um, I mean, I think there's definitely been a learning curve for sure. Uh, There's been things, you know, I've had to learn from. Um, There's mistakes I've made. I've had to learn from, um, but just uh, just learning from each and every one of those mistakes and trying to better myself from them. I think the more I think the more you don't succeed at something and you take it as a learning experience, the more successful you're going to be, you know, down the road. So, uh, you know, I feel like that's what we've been doing right now. We've just been uh, putting in the work and uh, you know, being a student of the game.
1: And obviously, being at just 16 years old, that restricts you from running a lot of the bigger racetracks, Daytona, Talladega, for instance, uh, the super speedways but you've been around I've, like Chris mentioned you know several years now do you feel ready for those tracks I know you've tested on them in the past um if they opened it up tomorrow do you feel like you'd be ready to to jump on those bigger racetracks
2: yeah absolutely uh I'm actually yeah. I'm I'm pretty pumped to go race like I, I think I can race Pocono this year so yeah. I'm pretty that's honestly one race I've got on my uh, calendar that's gotta check next to it um I'm pretty excited for the bigger track stuff just to you know get um get into that type of racing, that aero racing, you know pack racing, whatever it may be, but you no, know, I think uh, I'm pretty excited for it um you know, and you also I've got you know a crew chief that ran a lot of cup stuff, so that's the majority of the cup schedule right is mile and a half stuff, so you know i I know it will be fast um just uh, it all comes down to how
0: i uh how I execute these races. You mentioned, you know, kind of the learning curve of, of being so young, but you've also had to battle, like, some adversity, too. I mean, your road accident in 2021, I mean, kind of put you on the sideline for a little bit. What was that process like? I mean, did you feel like, I mean, it f- <laughs> seemed like one thing after another. Like, could you, you know, what did you learn in that recovery process and, and battling adversity that's maybe helped you, you know, at a young age?
2: Yeah, I mean, just hard work, man. Like, uh, just can never give up and having a positive mindset. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's it was <laughs> it was a big big uh big recovery process for sure um yeah man just having a positive attitude and put in the hard work uh, is honestly what I've learned most um, I feel like my worth ethic and work ethic and um, just overall as a person in general I was so much better um, coming out of that accident than I was before um, in which you know it sucks right you know yeah. some, but sometimes you gotta go through tough stuff to be a better person
1: It's amazing how how bad things can can shape a person for the better down the road now in the short term and especially you know in the long term and around all of that a year ago 11 arca menard series races uh, on the national scene most on short tracks i think there was a road course in there i think you ran on a dirt track what'd you like about uh, a year ago in, in your part-time effort
2: yeah um you know i feel like at the end of the more towards the end of the years whenever we started uh running you know how we should have been or i mean Better than we should have been running better, we should have been winning races, but um, you know, I feel like we started running better at the end of the year. Um, just because I mean, think about it, me and Chad had only had a couple races together, and then I got you know hurt and I was out for a couple months. So, but no, I feel like at the end of the year last year, we started running better. Um, and right around whenever Phoenix came around, and um, at the end of the year last year is whenever I feel like we were really fast and where we should have been. Um, you know, we obviously still had to pick up some speed to, to beat the 18, but um, I feel like we were getting closer.
0: Is there something that excites you a little bit for this year coming off of last year's experience? Maybe it's something new or maybe it's man, I, you know, I'm kind of screwed that up, but I know I can, you know, get it back this year.
2: Yeah, there's, I mean, obviously going back, looking at film um, and just watching all over all my races, you know, there's a lot of things I did wrong that I could have done a lot better. Um, there's a you know, some races I, I could have put my position myself in the position to win, and I didn't. Um, so just looking at those things, going back and looking at those things, and just um, fixing those things, if that makes any sense. But I think the biggest thing is, you know, we got some good stuff coming here pretty soon um, that I think is really going to be good. Um, obviously, with our stuff, we're still racing with the stuff we raced with last year, and we've made a lot of gains on it. So I think when this our new stuff comes around, we'll be really fast.
1: You teased on it there, and I'm going to pry a little more. Obviously, you're going to run in the Arc of Menard series East, uh, which which continues this weekend. You ran in a truck. Uh, what's what's the schedule look like for for 2022 right now for you?
2: Yeah, I mean pretty much the same thing as last year, um, minus getting hurt. <laughs> um,
0: <laughs> Hold on, there's some wood on the desk. Let's so not. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Yeah, yeah.
2: Um, you know, just the Arca National stuff, um, and then the East stuff, and then uh, my first truck race will be. Um, Coda, uh, next not this weekend but the next, um yep. and then run some truck races this year. Run as many as I can, basically. Um, besides Sonoma, because we're in
0: Iowa. Yeah, and that truck start will be your birthday weekend, right? Yeah. Too. So a little yeah. happy birthday to you, right? No, all, right. all uh, right That's awesome. I I'd be remin- reminisced to or remiss too to talk about your your brother and what that's been like with tana running in the Camping World Truck Series full time. Where's the competitiveness between the two of you? I mean, are you constantly trying to one-up each other? I mean, I feel like both of you have been so successful at a young age. I mean, do you kind of feel that throughout your career? Yeah,
2: we just kind of do our own deal, I guess. Um, You know, when we go to the racetrack, we just do our own deal. We don't really, uh, at least from talking from um, my side, you know, I don't really worry about, you know, what they've got going on. I worry about my stuff and how we're performing and, you know, where we need to be better.
1: He's adapting to the oval track stuff and has been the last couple of years after finding so much success in the drag racing world, as has most of your family. Uh, you didn't go that route. Uh, you went for the most part straight to oval tracks. Do you think that will help you in the long run and not having to make that adaption?
2: Yeah. I mean, I think I, you know, in the learning curve process, I mean, obviously I feel like I, I mean, Tanner's a lot older, right? But I felt like I had an advantage going into it just cause I had, I'd never really done anything else besides oval stuff. So um and in that aspect i feel like i had an advantage for sure but i mean i think uh i think this year you know he's he's getting a good uh good handle on some things you know he's got good people surrounding him finally this year and uh and uh see where he does
0: i know i see him run the micro millbridge speedway is he offered to let you run the car i mean have you or is that something you want to do because a lot of drivers now you we've talked about on this show it's like putting yourself in those uncomfortable disciplines or something you haven't done really just helps you, you know, holistically.
2: Yeah. I would love to go run the micro stuff. And I, I was planning on trying to do stuff before I broke my back. Um, and then just ever since I broke my back, um, my doctor has strongly, uh, strongly <laughs> right. disagreed for me to go run any of that stuff. So, um, right now, no. Um, I mean, I would love to in the future, maybe if my back gets any better, but right now, absolutely not. <laughs>
1: <laughs> All right. And my, I- my final question for you is about Coda next week. Uh, you mentioned that's going to be your first uh, truck start of the season, uh, a, a track that was run for the most part in the rain last year by the truck teams. Uh, how do you prepare for an event like that? Obviously, it's your first start of the year in the truck at a track that uh, fairly complicated when you look at you know all the tracks on the schedule.
2: Yeah, I mean, my way is just you know you're watching film, you go in the simulator. Um, you know, every week um, running it, um, looking at SMT data, uh, you know, talking to other guys that have ran it in the dry. So next 30 guys mostly. Um, yep. But, yeah, man, just doing everything you can, using all your resources. Uh, you know, I can't give too much up, too much of my uh, secrets up, but uh, <laughs> just using all your resources is my biggest thing.
0: Well, I appreciate you for coming in here. I know it's it was a difficult week, but at least you got to end it on a high note and have some momentum going forward. And uh, you're definitely going to be somebody – we hope to have back plenty of times, right? Because, yeah. I mean, heck, you're not even 17 years old yet, and you're going to do amazing things. So, Taylor Gray, appreciate you stopping in. Again, appreciate driver it. of the DGR Ford in the Ark Menard Series, east, west, everything. And now he's going to start <laughs> in a truck series here coming up next week. We'll be right back here on NASCAR Coast to Coast, presented by Flow Racing. welcome back on to nascar coast to coast presented by flow racing back in the studios with you just heard from taylor gray kyle uh, a very well-spoken young man for a sub 17 year old and certainly like we mentioned one uh, driver that we're going to keep our eyes on. i'm sure he'll be on the show plenty of times here in the next couple years
1: yeah, he's come a long way in the last couple of years i mean we had him on the show when he won his first late model race two years ago so that would have made him 15 and it was a very short interview. I mean, he, you know, it was hard. It was hard to get complete thoughts out of him because it was, you know, one or two words. He's 15 years old. He's kind of thrown into the spotlight. It's okay. I was the same way when I was that age. So, yeah, um, come a long way, and uh, look forward to, like you mentioned, talking to him for years to come. I'm sure he's going to find a lot of success in this business, whether it be at the Arca level. And then in NASCAR's National Series in the next several years.
0: Absolutely. And that's why they have things like media training and PR reps because they help you with that kind of stuff, right? Not everybody's as gifted as you and I, Kyle. I'm just kidding. We're just patting our ego here. All right. Well, we also had some other racing going on aside from the Arkham Menard Series and the Big Daddy down at South Alabama. The Rattler 250, the 46th edition, and it was a winner we're used to seeing, but he didn't even think he was going to have a shot, right? He had a handicap, Ty Majeski, who picked up his fifth Rattler 250. Uh, I believe he was on two tires and everybody took with four. What's up with that?
1: Yeah, um, again, late race, I guess it's strategy, Um, but uh, he did what he had to do. Third in a row and held off some of the big guns at the end with Bubba Pollard finishing... In second, Austin Nason. Taylor Robbins, who we had on the show just a week ago. Uh, Good top five finish. Jake Garcia rounding out the top five. But overall, a great race. Uh, 22 cars took the green flag. And, um, you know, I guess it's not really a big surprise for Ty he probably could have had no tires on that car <laughs> and still won with as with successful as he has been at that race over the last half decade
0: yeah no kidding and you know it's actually funny because his crew chief Toby Nettleman said he he didn't mean to do that He they should have taken four and if he would have lost the race that would have been the first thing he would have said but didn't tell his driver because he figured he'd just drive the wheels off of it as Ty usually does and certainly he uh, made it look like he had four fresh tires on there uh, at the last stint but uh, pretty incredible incredible run you know and Bubba Pollard said after the race too you know if you're gonna lose to a guy he's like I want to lose to a guy who who who's team builds their own cars right they run those Toby chassis and and he's like I you know build mine everybody else buys these kind of turnkey, you know start and ready to go kind of big money cars and he's like we just have to figure out a way to beat him and so he's close and Bubba's been close it's a close. couple of times this year too close yeah but uh maybe he'll get the monkey off his back sometime and, and beat Ty it this year
1: And at some point, I'm I'm sure that will happen. I tell you what, and obviously, I didn't see the race. I was covering the Cup Series race, and I guess it would be the Xfinity race as well down at the Phoenix Raceway in Arizona for MRN. But I saw some of the Instagram and Facebook feeds. Felt a little weirded out seeing the rattlesnake on the front straightaway. He's big. He, I feel like he's gotten bigger. Big snake, and it's like that rattle was on cue it's like they hit record and mm-hmm. he knew what to do
0: they've uh they've been feeding <laughs> that boy some healthy food because he's getting big and i tell you what i i don't have a phobia of snakes like a lot of people do i mean for me it's bees and some other stuff but even the thrill seeker and one chris wilner i don't know i mean sure if you win the adrenaline you're maybe not thinking about it but i would as, as soon as i kneel down I, all i would be doing is looking at it like just don't yeah. look at me don't get close yeah.
1: So. You know what? They're they're just, uh, you know, we were talking about this again in Phoenix over the weekend while we were roaming Rattlesnake Hill outside yeah. of Turns One and Two now at the Raceway. Uh, you know, and one of our guys, deathly afraid of snakes. I'm like, they're probably just as afraid of you. They're just unfortunate that they don't have legs. I don't
0: weekend. buy that though like because you. I feel yeah. like every bug or any like spiders, bees. They always say they they they're more scared of you than you are of them. Yeah, but guess what? If you get close enough, they they're defensive.
1: So well, they, yeah, but so are you.
0: Yeah, but I don't really want to go attack a snake. Snakes don't care; they have venom. You're
1: you're you're in their home in the desert.
0: Exactly. Although I or did hear that right Rattlesnake now, Hill does not actually have any rattlesnakes. In what well, it, it, i well,
1: I I've heard both. I've never seen one. Me neither. Um, Me neither. But apparently they they cleared them out prior to race weekend. I don't know how you do that, but. If there are snakes there, rattles or not, apparently they clear them out before they open the, the hillside to spectators for, for the races. All
0: right, well, let's get four tires back on the ground here before we get somewhere completely different than what we were talking about. Uh, $17,500 was the purse for Ty Majewski winning the poll and some of the contingencies. Uh, you mentioned Bubba Pollard finishing second. Uh, so, again, a, a bridesmaid again to time Majewski. We'll see if he can get it figured out. On Saturday, it was the Baby Rattler 125. And how about... Uh, a, a winner that maybe we weren't really expecting. Dylan Fetch holding off Casey Roderick uh, for his first baby rattler. I think it's only his second pro late model win in his career. The first one coming at the Nashville Fairgrounds. So a young gun getting it done kind of on a big stage. And uh, uh, baby rattler is just as competitive as, as the real rattler. Do they now? Do they hold a baby rattler? I, d- I didn't watch that one.
1: I didn't I didn't watch that one either. But you know it was nice to see Dylan win. I'm not sure if you know they they had. Maybe snakes and victory lane. Maybe they did. I don't know. Casey Roderick, though, a good run in second. Michael Hine rounding out the top three. Again, another driver that we've talked a lot about this year. After uh, finding some success at uh, New Smyrna Speedway back in February.
0: Yeah, so just like that, the Rattler weekend is in the books for 2022. And there was another big race a little bit closer to where I'm located at here in North Carolina, the old North State Nationals. The Cars Tour kicking off their 2022 season at Carraway Speedway, and it was a family affair. If you've ever heard the name Quapple, we'll get used to it, especially from this past weekend. Those folks got a double dose with Carson Quapple picking up the 30000 to win late model stock tour race, and his brother, Caden winning the pro late model and uh the cars tour this year a lot of talent coming back some new faces but i think all eyes were on carson because we documented kyle you know his first year with jrm running the late model that josh yep. barry we've seen for so many years and they've kind of had this nice little stepping stone i think this was his third or fourth race and they've gone fourth third second and now they finally win the big one.
1: one, one. Uh, this past weekend, uh, over another one of the young up and coming stars, Caden Honeycutt finishing in the second spot, Jared Fryer, third rough and tumble affair, uh, 34 started great car count there for, for the late model stocks, 14 finished. Uh, so <laughs> do that math. And, yeah. uh, it was rough and tumble affair pro late models as well. Caden, uh, pick, picking up the win over Luke Fenhaas and Austin McDonald, uh, McDonald, that is, uh, 16 started there nine finished. So Rough weekend, hopefully uh, it's a bit cleaner come Hickory Motor Speedway in two weeks' time on March 26th.
0: Yeah, that's right. And uh, how about Corey Heim getting a top five? We had him on the show last week, and yeah, pretty crazy. And only eight cars in that late-mile stock race were left on the lead lap, too. So yeah. not even the ones that didn't finish, that would, they lapped up to eighth place. So pretty, pretty incredible stuff. So that kind of wrapped up kind of the big short-track payment racing uh, across the area here this past weekend, we also had the Shermock Cl- Classic. If you followed along on Flow Racing, uh, the stars and cars, the USAC National Midget Series, at least many of them were there. Uh, and it was picked up the opening night win by Thomas Meserol, a fan favorite. If you've ever listened to an interview, if you I haven't, love yeah, if you haven't heard an interview for Az, just go <laughs> on to Flow and find, just search him because they're all gold. He's my favorite interview at the Chili Bowl. And then obviously his teammate Justin Grant, who is in National Midget Championship lead at this point, picked up the second night win down there at the Southern Illinois Center in DuCoin, where my last dirt race was in a micro. So kind of cool.
1: Other racing elsewhere over the weekend, Tucson Speedway in Arizona opened up their regular uh, championship season. Dylan Jones claimed the win in super late models. Uh, Their next event coming up on March 26th. uh, And this coming weekend, South Boston Speedway going to open up with twin 65 lap events for the late model stock cars. Plus their limited sportsmen, pure stock and Hornet divisions all in action this Saturday for uh, for their season opener for. Uh, one of the uh, marquee NASCAR home tracks at South Boston Speedway in Virginia.
0: couple entry lists are now open as we kind of get going here for the remainder of a lot of our tracks to begin their 2022 seasons. The ARCA CRA Super Series opener at Anderson near my hometown of Indianapolis, Indiana. Coming up on Saturday, August 9th, those entries are now open. And th- there's already like 34, 35 entries for the past series, the Easter Bunny 150 at Hickory uh, Motor Speedway coming up next weekend, uh, March 18th and 19th. Twin 150s out there. I know Derek Griffith has already entered. He's a past champion. So uh, some big races still coming up. Easter Bunny 150- I can't believe it's already Easter almost. Goodness, Kyle.
1: What do you mean still coming up? We're just starting the season here.
0: Uh, I, but I'm just saying, I feel like it, well, I guess I didn't say it the right way. It, we're already almost talking about Easter. I still feel like we're in winter mode.
1: Yeah, Easter Bunny coming up at uh, Hickory Motor Speedway a couple of weeks' time. They have a good early entry list. Uh, the Spring Sizzler the Stafford Motor Speedway, my home racetrack yep. up here in Connecticut. I think we're up to 37 entries for that event. Uh, still five or so weeks out. So, um, yeah, a lot of big spring events coming up here as we get set for the, the regular weekly grind of uh, competition throughout this country.
0: That's right, and as local short tracks are
1: opening up, a reminder, the Arca Menards E-Series
0: coming up on Saturday. This Saturday, uh, March 19th at Five Flags Speedway in Pensacola. That green flag expected at 8 p.m. on Flow Racing. You can watch it live on Flow, which is what our show is presented by, so get to Flow, get your subscription. It's also be on USA Network on a tape delay. Kyle, anything to look at as we get the E-Series going? Can anybody beat Sammy Smith again?
1: I don't know. Um, I think he's in. in, I don't want to say he's in a league of his own, but it'll be interesting to see what happens. You mentioned Daniel Dial a a little bit earlier. I think uh, he is. He is in that ballpark. And obviously, you know, we talked earlier. Momentum is everything and Taylor Gray has it right now. So I think uh, he will be a factor come this weekend back in back in Florida for the Arkham and Art series.
0: Looking forward to locking in this weekend. But first things first, Kyle and I will be on the road with Motor Racing Network's coverage of the NASCAR Camping World Truck Series event at Atlanta Motor Speedway. And Kyle, before I let you go, kind of excited to see uh, what the super speedway now looks like. What, what do you think?
1: I'm not buying it. No? Um, okay. No. I, I think I think restarts will be interesting. I'm not, I just don't see how it's going to be like Daytona and Talladega with a flat, Boat out, double dog leg, whatever you want to call it, <laughs> front stretch. Um, I, I, the potential's there, and we sure. might we might see it, but I just don't think we're going to see a Daytona or Talladega esque race like we keep hearing. Sure. Uh, and I, and I talked to some drivers in Phoenix. I'm like, is it really going to be like Daytona and Talladega? And they said maybe for a lap or two, but it's not going to be. 200 miles of two and three wide racing like we see at uh, the traditional super speedways
0: well there's only way to figure out what's going to happen and that is either be there or tune in to the live coverage on the motor racing network 230 green flag out at atlanta motor speedway kyle and i will be there kyle safe travels for you later on this week and uh, looking forward to it another week in a racing look
1: forward to it look forward to seeing you down in atlanta
0: all right. Well, that does it for us here on NASCAR Coast to Coast presented by Flow Racing. Enjoy the weekend of coverage, including the Ark East down at Pensacola. We'll talk to you next week.